0: We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for September seventeenth, two thousand and thirteen. Um, and doing the study pretty late tonight. It's about twelve thirty. Uh, I had to was helping a Christian brother down in Florida this weekend, and uh, there was a lot of driving, and things kind of got put back. So I'm trying to get this study in for this week, some important information to cover. I'm, I'm not going to co- going to cover at this point the, um, the information uh, regarding this Navy shipyard shooting today. It's two in the initial stages. And I always find that with those types of things, these typically botched false flag type events like this that always occur... In gun-free zones, further validating the fact that if there were people there that were armed, they could have potentially um, totally, if not massively, cut down on the body count there. But, they always staged them in gun-free zones, the Aurora shooting, Sandy Hook, this, tons of others, because they know nobody's going to be firing back, at least for a time, until the government arrives, which is the message that the New World Order is trying to send. You, you need to so um, too preliminary there for me to really start to get into cover. I've already seen a lot of red flags on, on it already, uh, but uh, might get into that a little more in the next teaching. So starting off just some Bible verses here to kind of set the tone for everything psalm twenty seven eleven teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. so in today's day and age, as a Christian, this is a super important verse for the Lord to teach us and to lead us in a plain path. I think that's something we would all want. I mean, just make it Crayola, cookie cutter easy for me, Lord, as far as what you want me to do. Um, and this is the, a good attitude to have with the Lord. Like Solomon, when he went to the Lord, uh, before I think his, before he was really lifted up with pride, and in saying, I'm but a little child, Lord, I know not whether to go in or come out apart from you, essentially. Um, and then that thing pleased the Lord, and that was one of the few times in the Bible you ever see the Lord was actually pleased um, with something a person had actually done. What, it, what was that all about? Humility. And fear of the Lord, I believe. They're, they, they go hand in hand. So, um, we want the Lord to teach us his ways, and to lead us in a plain path. And obviously the best way for that is just to read the word of the Lord. Read the word of God. And um, then it says, because of mine enemies. And again, there's uh, the wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. Psalm 12, verse 8. So this is the time we're living in. You have the vilest men and women exalted now in Hollywood, in high political office, you name it. And when you have that dynamic going on, you're going to have the wicked walking on every side. It's going to be the norm. And it's only going to really get worse as we progress into the time leading up to the start of the tribulation, um, going into World War III, the arrival of the Antichrist and the False Prophet and all the other garbage that's going to ensue. And then it goes on in verse 12 to say, "...deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies." For false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. And again, this is a big reason I also did that that teaching on Psalm 64, where you're asking God to hide you from the secret counsel of the wicked and from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity. And why Jesus said, pray that you be accounted worthy to escape all the things that are coming on on this earth and to stand before the Son of Man. So these are biblical things that we can do, and, and literally the Psalms... Um, or, or something that you can literally pray. It's praying the word of God. And then uh, the next verse, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And that implies faith. Faith in the Lord's mercy, faith in the Lord's goodness, faith in the Lord's deliverance, faith in the Lord's provision. You could go on and on and on. And then the next verse, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, And he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So sometimes you pray, but then the answer obviously typically doesn't come the next second later. I'm not saying it couldn't, but typically it doesn't work that way. And that's implying waiting on the Lord. And then you have 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people, which are called by my name, in this case Christians, followers of Christ, shall humble themselves and pray, and they were first called Christians in Antioch. And the Bible says that in Acts. So, Christians, I know it, it gets a bad rap, but it is a biblical term. Okay, when you say a Catholic is a Christian, then it gets a real bad rap because Catholics believe in works based, keeping the seven sacraments, jumping through a billion different hoops in order to earn your salvation. Okay, so obviously, then you have the whole. You know, inquisitions where there were 50 plus million people killed. Many of them were true born-again Bible-believing Christians. And they we get lumped in. A born-again Bible-believing Christian gets lumped in with the Catholics and they've committed all these atrocities. The pedophile priesthoods and all this that have went on for hundreds and hundreds of years. The corrupt Pope system and all the works-based garbage indulgences and so on. So um, that term Christian, though, is is a biblical term. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord, and then if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, which this implies repentance, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. This isn't going to happen on a mass, large scale in America. I just don't see any Bible for it. Now, maybe prosperity preachers or whoever else might be saying that this is going to happen. Then you have the Dominionist camp um, where they literally believe that we're going to skip, essentially, the tribulation. It's not going to happen. Things are going to get so good because of the wonderful uh, environment the Dominionist church camp has created that Jesus will have no choice but to come back and rule and reign and... um, uh, we're going to basically just kind of skip the tribulation. But then that makes the word of God of none effect. The Bible talks about that, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition. Jesus warned about that. So, the Bible's going to be fulfilled. The book of Daniel, the book of Revelation, the other verses that pertain to the end times, some in 2 Thessalonians, they're, they're going to be fulfilled. So there's no Bible I see for mass global repentance. I can see it individually and in small clusters in God preserving his remnant, which he always does, not to say that a lot of people obviously aren't going to go through really, really tough times in the tribulation and the martyrdom and these types of things, but the Lord is capable of, if he's capable of creating the universe, he's capable of protecting us, but we also need to have the faith to believe that as well, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1 1. And um, so, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And you are saved by grace through faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. And not not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. So you're not saved by works. But works will follow a Christian who is saved, Holy Spirit living inside them, they're going to have a conviction about sin. They're going to bear you know, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, faith, temperance. These types of things will follow faith. And in that sense, yes, it's possible to show someone your faith by your works, but you don't put the cart before the horse and say, I'm saved by my works. Which is what I believe a lot of, really the majority of Christianity, if they would term themselves Christians, believe that. Because most Christian, quote, Christian denominations are full of a lot of people that believe that they're basically good people earning their way to heaven because they're of their works. They go to church, they do this, they're basically good. Whereas the Bible's very clear on that. Now, if you're not understanding that concept regarding salvation, go to contending for dot com and click on the true salvation tab and listen to those teachings in the order they're listed and I kind of walk you through there because that's a it's a big subject and, and it, it um it's not, it's not I don't really believe it's complicated but it is a big subject to cover and that's why I have all that in one spot there. So let's go into the teaching here. First report is welcome to Obamacare. Now hand over your guns. Obamacare requires doctors to ask about your weapons. What second uh what about the uh our Second Amendment rights, and Obama tells the Congress to wait. He wants to ask the U.N. for permission regarding this whole thing. So I'm going to just play about three and a half minutes of this video here.
1: Have you been to your doctor lately? If you have, you might have gotten asked about the guns in your home. And yeah, that's the newest thing. Welcome to Obamacare. The Daily Paul writes that a patient went in, and one of the questions they were asked was about their weapons at home. The person says, needless to say, I didn't answer these questions and asked a few myself. Like, what kind of form is this? Is this a government form? Is this tied to Obamacare? The nurse verified that it was indeed a government form and that they're required to ask these questions. That's pretty scary. I remember, recently I did a report where a man lost his child to CPS. Because he was reading a gun magazine. And in that same report, I talk about the veterans who are now going into the VA for examinations. And it's kind of a trick thing. They go in there and they actually get asked about their guns and then end up losing their guns. The VA doctor actually admitted that they're getting $3,000 a head for each veteran that they get their guns from. Willingly,
0: $3,000 a head. For every veteran they get their guns from, they're going to try to trick you, they're going to try to coerce you, they're going to do every underhanded thing in the book, you know, to get you to admit whatever they're trying to get you to admit. And this just shows you how satanic and evil anything that Obama's really ever done is, and particularly this Obamacare.
1: You're unwillingly, because you have a choice, you can hand over your weapon. And remember the other article on Infowars.com recently. The NRA joins the ACLU lawsuit and claims that the NSA is starting a gun registry. This is key because they are going to put together enough of a gun registry where they can just come take your guns. And right now they're just doing it illegally. I mean, that does violate our constitutional rights. Welcome to America. And Obama asks Congress to wait on Syria because... He has to ask the U.N.
0: I'm also the president of the world's oldest constitutional democracy. So even though I possess the authority to order military strikes, I believed it was right, in the absence of a direct or imminent threat to our security,
1: to take this debate to Congress. I believe our democracy is
0: stronger when the president acts with the support of Congress. What, what a liar from the pit of hell. Fork-tongued devil. Sorry, I'm, I'm sugarcoating it again. Uh, the only reason that this was happening regarding going to Congress is that the disapproval rating of going to war with Syria was like 92 plus percent, and that's what they were admitting to? <laughs> I mean, even that tells me even the liberals and and hardcore Democrats and these types were were totally against this. And so then they said, "Well, we technically, constitutionally, we really need to go through Congress, even though I really want to do this um, unilaterally and on my own." And then and then all these other things ensued, which, um, again, I've said this many, many times. The Illuminati will put things out there to see engage public reaction to a controlled crisis they've created. And again, we we went over this in the previous studies that. The rebels were totally the ones behind it. They admitted they were behind the chemical attacks. It was not Assad. It would have been the height of insanity for Assad to launch chemical weapons against his own people right when the UN inspectors had just gotten there like the day before. It's the height of insanity. But if the rebels did it and blamed it on Assad and the uh, multi-devil-controlled media was behind them, they thought, well, maybe they can pull this off. Why would Assad have done that? Doesn't even make any sense. And here the rebels are admitting it after the fact. There's video footage of them launching the weapons, these makeshift, you know, chemical weapons, and they had done it previously in the year. They even had a video they put up where they showed them gas in this poor little bunny rabbit, and um, uh, uh, in, it, with these chemical weapons they had acquired. I was like walking outside my house the other night. And um, it was like at night and I looked down, I had one of those headlights on, I looked down and there's this precious little bunny rabbit just sitting there. She was like a baby almost. I felt so bad for her, I didn't know where her mommy was. And um, oh, she was precious. Just so cute. And just sitting there and I didn't, I was probably like one or two feet away from her and I just let her, let her sit there. I just kind of felt bad because I was wondering where her mommy was. Anyway, that's a total side issue there. But um, a- anyway, this is the, this is the insanity that, that we're talking about here and here. Obama's up here trying to save face in this particular little video clip. And I believe that America acts more effectively abroad when we stand together. This initiative has the potential to remove the threat of chemical weapons without the use of force, particularly because Russia is one of Assad's strongest allies. I have therefore asked the leaders of Congress to postpone a vote to authorize the use of force while we pursue this diplomatic path.
1: So, of course, he went ahead and met with the Congress, but he's really going to go to the U.N. to get permission. So Obama agrees to U.N. discussion of putting Syria chemical weapons under international control. He says this morning that he spoke separately with President Hollande and Prime Minister Cameron, they agreed to work closely together and in consultation with Russia and China to explore seriously the viability of the Russian proposal to put all Syrian chemical weapons and related materials fully under international control in order to ensure their verifiable and enforceable destruction. These efforts will begin today at the UN and will include a discussion on elements of a potential UN Security Council resolution. Thank you, President Obama we consulting with the UN, but we should start here at the United States, perhaps.
0: Perhaps, no, definitely. But there, there's a lot of different reasons they want Syria as far as that chess piece. Like I said before, to install a much more radical, radicalized, like basically uh, Islamic dictatorship, jihadist, like they've done in all these other countries in the Middle East. This is just one more... Domino piece to fall. There's also a talk about um, an oil pipeline, um, being able to secure that land, and and this has had a lot to do with Afghanistan as well, why we went in there. So there's a lot of different reasons why they want Syria. I think they're going to still try to go after this and ultimately create a reason. And then you have the whole fulfillment of, I believe it was Isaiah 17.1, where the destruction of Damascus. So we know that that has to happen at some point because that Bible verse hasn't been fulfilled yet. So um, now let's go to the next video, which is talking about the NSA would amount to high treason. CEO of Yahoo's um, CEO of Yahoo says internet companies are being put under some serious pressure by the U.S. government not to talk about what information intelligence agencies are requesting. She even uh, she said even talking about the Prism spy program, you could hear her. Uh, she could face charges of treason from the NSA, about this. So I'm going to go ahead and play this video now. And I'll roll it.
1: Yahoo! CEO says Internet companies are being put under serious pressure by the U.S. government not to talk about what information intelligence agencies are requesting. She said even talking about the PRISM spy programme could see her face charges of treason.
0: Artie's Marina Portnaya has the details.
2: Well, Yahoo and Facebook are among the big data companies that have faced mounting criticism for violating users' privacy by complying with the NSA surveillance program. But according to Yahoo CEO Marissa Mayer, uh, her hands were tied, and rejecting government requests would have amounted to treason. Ms. Mayer made her comments at a San Francisco TechCrunch press conference where she and Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg were uh, told the audience that they were obliged uh, to comply comply with Washington's spy programs. This mayor told uh, those in the crowd that it makes more sense for uh, big tech companies uh, such as Yahoo to work within the system and fighting the NSA through lawsuits have so far proved unsuccessful. She also uh, said that uh, she's only allowed to disclose a limited amount of data because releasing classified information surrounding NSA programs is push- is punishable with jail. Mr. Zuckerberg went on uh, to say that the Obama administration He believes has done a bad job at balancing national security and citizens' privacy rights. The Facebook CEO said that the White House's initial reaction uh, to the NSA spying uh, revelations have worked against uh, the interests of U.S. tech firms uh, that are operating abroad. Now, this is the first time we've heard from the heads of such big corporations speaking publicly about the NSA scandal while acknowledging that uh, the spy agency requests – Use user data, and those requests can't be rejected. In the meantime, it seems that every week the public is receiving new details about how pervasive the NSA's tactics have been, and how much authority this agency actually wields. All of this is an indication of the NSA's uh, power, and that power actually recently came to light this week when uh, a computer science professor at Johns Hopkins University, a prominent university in the United States, was actually. Forced to take down one of his blog posts on the university site after he posted an article about America's spying program. Now the post was written by cryptography professor Matthew Green. Uh, It was highly critical of the NSA, specifically how uh, he says the reckless, reckless behavior of the agency in attacking online security astonished him. Now Green said the acting dean of the engineering school of the university told him that if he doesn't take down his post, his critical post on the NSA, he would need a lawyer. And this, of course, left a U.S. professor fearing for his academic freedom.
0: I wrote a post about uh, these new revelations that came out last week about the NSA breaking encryption, breaking cryptography. Um, That's my research area, so uh, one of the things I do is I write a blog that's focused at technical people, but also at journalists and people who aren't, you know, cryptographers themselves. Uh, So I tried to take a pass at this story and explain what it meant that the NSA was breaking this technology, Um, And that led to the blog post, which a lot of people read. Somebody somewhere um, made a decision that there might be classified material on this blog. Uh, The instinct was to shut the blog down rather than to sort of investigate that. I think that was a mistake. Uh, I don't think I'll ever know exactly where that came from, and I hope it never happens again.
2: Now, according to some reports, uh, the NSA and the Department of Defense has strong connections to part of John Hopkins University, and that's what led for this pressure to be put on the professor. But after it became public, according to recent reports, the university has backed off and now has allowed this professor to publish whatever material he wants to.
0: Okay, so in light of that last report, um, I'm going to just play a tiny clip on this video. I'm going to put the link to this video Uh, On the, uh, really, I'm going to interlink it within this particular uh, PDF story. Uh, It'll be for, again, September 17th, 2013. And this is Catherine Albrecht, the author of Spy Chips. Um, And this video is entitled, Get the Government Out of Your Search Engine. I'm just going to play a little bit of this to kind of let you know um, what she's offering here. And I believe also now, pretty sure she's also got the... um, the private emails accounts now too. I just haven't checked into it as much as, as I'd like, but I'm pretty sure that if that's not going, it's going to be going pretty soon.
1: I'm Dr. Catherine Albrecht, privacy expert and also one of the people who helped to create the Start Page Search Engine. In light of everything we've learned about the NSA and all the spying they've been doing on all of our web searches, it's more important now than ever to begin switching away from Yahoo or Bing or Google, whatever search engine you might be using that's spying on you, and instead switch to the world's most private search engine, StartPage.com. So I'm going to talk to you today about how to add StartPage to your browser and how to make it your home page, so you can get more StartPage and less Big Brother. Here we go.
0: Okay, so it's it's about a twelve minute video, but I'll provide the link to that and um, something free that you can do where you can start from literally day one minimizing. Now I understand you could have say, oh yeah, well this isn't gonna they still track you. Well, it's it's tr- you're trying to make an effort in that direction, you know, and it's I think it is important to to make some efforts in that direction, and she shows you how. This um, start page works, and it's, it's, it's pretty impressive. And so um, I'm going to post that link there in the uh, PDF. Okay, so I just added that in, and it's entitled, Get the Government Out of Your Search Engine. So you can click on that, and uh, you can avail yourself to that. So let's go further. Next report, Google Knows Millions of Wi-Fi Passwords. Uh, If an Android device, phone, or tablet has ever logged in onto a particular Wi-Fi network, then Google probably knows the Wi-Fi password. Considering how many Android devices there are, it's likely that Google can access access most Wi-Fi passwords worldwide. Recently, IDC reported that 187 million Android phones were shipped in the second quarter of this year alone. That multiplies out to 748 million phones in 2013, just for that year. And, that figure does not include Android tablets. Many, probably most, of these Android devices and tablets are phoning home uh, to Google, backing up Wi-Fi passwords along with other assorted settings, and although they have never said so directly, it's obvious that Google can read the passwords. Android devices have, have defaulted to coughing up Wi-Fi passwords since version 2.2, And since the feature is presented as a good thing, most people wouldn't even change it. I suspect that many Android users have never even seen the configuration option controlling this. After all, there are dozens and dozens of system settings to configure. And anyone who does not run across the setting cannot hope to understand the privacy implications. So I just wanted to throw that in. You know, the whole being the watchman, you know, warning. This might be something that you're just not even aware of. Uh, Next report. New police toy resembling a ray gun can disable threatening vehicles via EMP. Um, Soon, on the streets of America, police departments will likely deploy a new toy. This new gadget, built by Deal Defense, much like the portable electromagnetic pulse ray gun, can disable a vehicle's electronic circuitry, rendering it useless in battlefield or pursuit conditions. This technology was put to the test on the battlefield in Afghanistan in 2011, while police departments and militaries around the world will likely grovel over this device. Now, I'll give you the full link there. I'm just going to touch on this, but they've actually got, literally now, EMP, which we've talked a lot about recently, essentially ray guns that they point this thing at your car and it fries all your circuitry, which is like if they had a large-scale EMP attack where they detonate a typically a low-yield nuclear device, You know, um, miles over a city or miles over a particular landmass, it fries all the electronics unless they're EMP shielded, which again, a uh, typical galvanized trash can that you can buy at most health foods, health food, yeah, Uh, hardware stores uh, are a good option. I think what I I saw in another video the other night on that, and I think something that's really good. What you wouldn't want to do is literally keep your devices on the bare metal. You can wrap them in things, but I think a really good option would be to literally spray paint the inside of the galvanized can with a rubberized paint. And they've got, like I was at Lowe's, and they've got literal like black rubberized spray paint. Instead of like I mean I'm just talking from a convenience standpoint, it's like, it's like 10 bucks a can, but you could probably do quite a large area with, with one of these cans or uh, cans of spray paint and do the inside of the lid and then do the inside of the can. The guy on the internet was trying to do he was using like rubber backed um, like the rubber uh, backing of a particular type of, uh, of carpet under underlay. And I'm like, that's not practical. Number one, you gotta find this stuff. It's not easy to find. Number two, how are you gonna really cut that to size when the can is not perfectly cylindrical, or you know what I mean? It's it, it kind of flares up a little bit. It'd be very very hard to get that just right. Plus, the way it was, the way he was going, it was gonna take up a lot of room in the trash can itself. Whereas if you just coat the thing with a rubberized spray paint, you, you got it all in one. And literally, you can have a, an EMP proof. Uh, trash can um, for just the cost of the trash can and the cost of the rubberized spray paint. And it's going to do a a very good job. And it's going to do a lot better job than if you had just something like tin foil, you know, because obviously it's a lot thicker and and there's a lot more to penetrate for an EMP blast. So I think that's one of the most economical pieces, pieces of advice I can give you. Just like you know, I think a good piece of advice is to use Startpage or, or Ixquix, which is the other search engine Catherine Albrecht has, and these types of things. So, just some some cost-effective things you can do there. And um, also, with EMP, I believe it's anything 1983 and back are EMP-proof, meaning they didn't have the circuitry past um like from 1983 backwards to 1982, 1981, back in the in the vehicles. So if you got hit with an EMP strike and you had a vehicle from let's say 1979, it's going to be EMP proof. It will still run unless you had it upgraded uh, with whatever modern day circuitry. And, and I don't think that's probably very prevalent. Um, but there's if you go up on like YouTube, you can key an EMP proof vehicle. A lot of people do it with, I think, Broncos, Ford Broncos, older models, and this type of thing. I'm not saying that, that, you know, everybody's got to do this or whatever. You know, if the Lord convicts you, if the Lord leads you, it is an option. And and, um, if you had a vehicle like that and we got hit with an EMP, you would be one of the very, very few that actually had a vehicle that could run, which could also potentially make you a target. So you'd want to be prudent about you know, how you drove that, and, and, and what conditions you would use it under. Because uh, EMP, if, if the vehicles are fried, then your vehicle would be like gold. So that's something else to bear in mind. The prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. And, you know, so the Bible's clear on that as well. So um, let's go to the next report. Pope Francis assures atheists you don't have to believe in God to go to heaven. This is a direct contradiction of the words of Jesus and a denial of the Christian faith. He just called Jesus a liar. Um, yeah, but then again, just about everything about the Catholic devil death cult is a contradiction of the word of God and man-made doctrine of men. And again, the traditions of men have made the word of God of none effect, as the Bible says. And the Catholic uh cultic institution is just absolute, total proof of that Bible verse. In comments, likely to enhance the progression of his reputation. Reputation among who? Liberals? Atheists? Darwinists? Satanists? Anyway, Pope Francis has written a long, open letter to the founder of La Repubblica newspaper, stating that non-believers would be forgiven by God if they followed their consciences. <laughs> right. Responding to a list of questions published in the paper, Mr. Scalafari, who is not a Roman Catholic, um, said, Pope Francis wrote, quote, the issue for those who do not believe in God is to obey their conscience. So that's like basically saying, just follow your heart, right? Sin, he, this is Francis, Pope Francis, sin, even for those who have no faith, exists when people disobey their conscience. Now, I'm not saying our conscience can't lead us in the right direction, or that an atheist couldn't have a conscience that would convict him of sin. I'm not saying that. But he's basically saying that, you know, obey your conscience, as long as you're sincere, and your heart's in the right place, you'll still go to heaven. You know? So, um saying non believers would be forgiven by God if they follow their conscience. Now what does the Bible say? Well the Bible's very clear. Proverbs fourteen twelve and sixteen twenty five there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, which is what the Pope's telling people here. He's he's putting out things that are going to as the Bible says, tickle their ears. These are things that, that a unsaved person that had no relationship with really any religion or, let's say, a backslidden Catholic, or whoever, or just an evil person in general, this is something they would love to hear. Because they could say, well, you know, deep down, I'm not a bad guy. I'm, I'm a pretty good guy. Well, the Bible says, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. The end thereof are, is hell, essentially. Proverbs 28, 26, he that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. So, the the... Hope saying, trust your own heart. But the Bible says, he who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. And then it says, but whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The, The heart, which is basically what Francis is saying here. Trust your conscience. The heart is deceitful above all things, though and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Proverbs 18, 2. A fool hath no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. So a fool has no delight in understanding, but they have a lot of delight in hearing things like this from some supposed religious authority. Uh, Mark 7.13, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition. And that was the one that we were just talking about earlier. So, yeah, it's it's uh, just unbelievable what's coming out of this guy's mouth. It doesn't make, you know, it, it doesn't surprise me a bit. I knew this guy was going to be the most, probably the most liberal pope the world's ever known. Um, but again, you have to have that in order to have a one-word religion. Which will most likely be a coalesced, and one of the center spoke hubs will be through the Catholic Church. So you've got to you've got to really make a lot of statements like that's like he's making to lead up to that one world unified religion under the Antichrist and false prophet, as the Bible predicts. First Corinthians fourteen thirty three says, "For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints." So when the Pope says this, just adding to the Catholic um, doctrine of infallibility, the Pope's supposedly the vicar of Christ on earth. Vicar means replacement. The, the whole doctrine of infallibility the Pope's meaning whatever they say is perfect or whatever it keeps. I mean, it's such blasphemy. So in other words, it doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter if it contradicts the word of God. It supersedes the word of God. Because why? This demon-possessed devil... With a Dagon hat on, said so. So therefore it makes it so. So he could just, you know, cancel out scripture anytime he wants. It's what basically the Catholics believe. Um Romans three four Yea, let God be true and but every man a liar. Pope Francis is just one of the long list of lying popes, fork tongued devils in the Catholic tradition. But God is true, and his word is true. You know, so, um, sanctify me through thy truth, thy word is truth. Sanctify means to be made holy and set apart. So, and then Jeremiah seventeen five, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. When you're in the Catholic devil death cult, you um, are under a curse. Why? Because you're trusting in a man known as the Pope. Maybe you're trusting in your priest, who's likely a pedophile, high, high statistical, um, high statistical um, probability that he's a pedophile, or gay, or, or one of those things, because the celibate priesthood, there's no Bible for that whatsoever. That's just another Catholic made-up doctrine. Then you have all the devils and demons that are attack, attracted to the Catholic priesthood, which further enhances their pedophilic natures. And um, so, cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and that maketh flesh his arm, meaning you're relying on the arm of some wicked, evil, devil institution. or You're relying on the arm of your priest, or your cardinal, or your bishop, or the pope, or whatever. You're bringing yourself under a curse, and when that happens, it says whose heart departed from the Lord your heart is going to depart from the Lord. And you're not even going to know what's happening. And this is what's so dangerous about getting away from the Word of God and um, relying on demon-possessed devils that reinterpret the Word of God or omit the Word of God or cancel out the Word of God or negate the Word of God through their traditions. And this is the essence of the Catholic death cult. So, let's go further. California Governor... Brown to sign a bill legalizing non-physician abortions. Non-physician. A bill that would allow non-physicians to perform abortions in the first trimester of pregnancy is awaiting signature by Governor Jerry Brown of California uh, by September 30th. The bill, known as AB154, there's links to that here in this Uh, article, report, Uh, it passed both houses of the Senate of the state legislature with strong support from, guess who, Planned Parenthood and other pro-choice groups. Planned Parenthood stands to benefit most directly from the bill as non-physician staff at its clinics would be able to obtain abortion licenses. So good old Planned Parenthood, the spear tip of Satan uh, himself, is really chomping at the bit, because not only are they going to be able to, to kill a whole bunch more babies in mass, but they're going to be able to make a whole lot more money, which is what they're all about. Killing, so that they can have their sacrifices to Satan, which they literally dedicate these these babies, many of these owners of these clinics, I've documented in this times past, to thing uh, deities like Moloch, Chemosh, Artemis, Lilith, um, other ones, Marduk. They literally—it depends on what, on what um, deity they're worshiping—and it's a statistical fact that many high-level occultists own these abortion clinics. It's blood money, and hey, they can perform human sacrifices of the most preferable sacrifice, which are human infants and all day long, and make money. And, and it's, it's all blood money, and supposedly, they think they're satanically increasing their powers, which they probably are, but I cannot even begin to comprehend the punishment in hell for these people that take this blood money and employ these doctors, and for the doctors themselves and the nurses and these people that work there. Um, I mean, unless they repent, and we're going to look at that in a second, because it can happen. I just can't even imagine the 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 punishment in hell for these people. I pray to God their souls be saved. I pray to God they repent. I really do. I don't want to see them go to hell, but you know they're slaughtering innocent babies in the womb, and it's I believe the most grievous thing that goes on on a daily basis in America, at least from a outward. I mean, this is going on in public, legitimized through corporate, you know, corporations and. Planned Parenthood, and it's all official and legitimate. It's just beyond comprehension. Um, so, one doctor who identified himself as pro-choice told Breitbart News that, "quote, the bill is a disaster since it sends back sends us back a hundred years to the problems of complications from backstreet abortions." So, this butcher abortion doctor is not liking it too much. And I'm not saying he's not making a good point here, Okay, Uh, but, you know, (laughs) anyway, the bill's critics warn that the training provided to non-physician staff is weak, that supervision by physicians and clinics will be minimal, and that there is real risk of injury or death to the woman who will be treated in such conditions. Hey, what about the baby? How does it ever turn out for the baby in an abortion? I understand there are rare exceptions where the babies lived and certain people have escaped it. Praise God, had to be the hand of God doing that. Had to be the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know? I mean, to escape an abortion, it's a little innocent baby. It's not like it can like walk away and, and flee the building. You know? I mean, praise God for those instances where that occurred. But, it, you know, the real risk of injury to the woman, what about the baby? That's what I always think about. You know? So... <laughs> Just unbelievable. Now, I've got the next article, which just came out. And it says, abortion clinics closing at a record rate. So this is actually encouraging. And it says, for Abby Johnson, the closing of a single Planned Parenthood center demonstrated her dramatic reversal from an abortion clinic director to, lean pro-life, to a leading pro-life advocate. And praise the Lord for this. There's a picture here, a wonderful picture, of a Planned Parenthood sign being demolished. Uh, one of these clinics that, that's being shut down. Uh, I've got the picture of the clinic. You, you might, you might want to avail yourself to it. It's really good. It's like on its side. and It's still there on the road, but it's like tipped over. I love it. Uh, but for pro-lifers throughout the United States, it marked another exhibit in a hopeful trend. Abortion centers are shutting down at an unprecedented rate. Now, this is... I mean, I'm really... Ecstatic about this! I, I'm really happy about this, and, and I'm I'm to be honest surprised that this is happening in the day and times we're living in. As dark as things are getting, it, it's surprising. But I think a lot more people have been praying about this, and that's why this has happened. I've told you what you know happened in North Carolina. I've reported on that a lot lately, and now this is actually going on all over the country. So, praise the Lord. So, abortion centers are shutting down at an unprecedented rate. The total so far this year, the total this year alone is already 44, and the year's not out yet. Around the country. That's 44 Moloch, Chimosh, Artemis, Lilith death centers. Satanic death centers. Child sacrifice death centers. Shut down. You know, um, The total so far this year is 44, according to pro-life organization that tracks the operations. None was more telling for Johnson than the mid-July closing of a Planned Parenthood center in Bryan, Texas. It came less than four years after Johnson, burdened by her involvement with abortion, walked out of that clinic as its director and into the offices of the Coalition for Life. Uh, She says, knowing that the former abortion clinic I once ran is now closing is the biggest personal victory of my life. God bless her. May the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless her. And thank God she got her eyes opened to this. Probably because people were praying for that to happen. And And God allowed the satanic yoke that was blinding her to be broken off her and she could see I once was blind, but now I see. You know, like the song Amazing Grace? It's it's really representative of that. Johnson said in a written statement after the announcement of the shutdown, uh, quote, from running that facility to then advocating for its closure, and now celebrating that dream. Now, she was the one of the ones that was advocating for its closure and praying, I'm sure, against it. It shows that my life has indeed come full circle. Since her celebrated conversion... From Planned Parenthood director, Johnson has started a ministry to help workers leave the abortion industry. She has pledged, as she said in July, quote, to fight until every abortion clinic in this country shut its doors. Sounds like she got saved. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I used to be pro-abortion. That was how I was brought up. My mom gave money to Planned Parenthood. She'd go to the rallies in March. It's all I ever knew. And then I got saved and it was like, you know, I'm not saying it happened like the next day, but I'm. Saying it happened, and it was like I'm like, how could I have ever been pro-abortion? How on God's green earth could I have been that blind? I can't even understand it. But that was after I got saved. So um, let's go further. Since uh, so, she's she has started a ministry to help workers leave the abortion industry. She has pledged, as she said in July, "quote to fight until every abortion clinic." in this country, has shut its doors. Man, God bless her and her righteous efforts. State legislatures enacted 69 pro-life laws this year. According to a report released Thursday, which was September 5th, um, uh, by Americans United for Life, in all, 48 states considered about 360 such proposals in in, uh, 2013. So... They've enacted 69 pro-life laws this year. This is a big reason they're closing down. I mean, granted, I think it's the prayer, the efforts, you know, of the uh, remnant Bible-believing Christians getting serious about this. Probably out of fasting has went into this. Um, And what's the fruit? 69 pro-life laws this year. A record number of abortion clinics shut down. 44. Last year, I, I think I saw the statistics were 25, which is awesome. I'm glad. But this year, and this year's not even out yet, we're already at 44. So we could literally easily double what there were the year before. That is amazing. Uh, The legislative action this year continued a recent trend in states. Uh, 70 life-affirming measures became law in 2011. So in 2011, 70 life-affirming measures became law. Um, in, In 2011... And in 2012, there were 38, according to U- AUL. Well, all of these are cumulative. I mean, you have more and more life-affirming laws. They compound one another. It's like a snowball rolling down a hill. As it rolls down the hill, it has more snow packing on it. gets bigger. And as it, as it gets bigger, it gains more momentum. So that really an encouraging story. In the midst of all this darkness I tend to report on, um, from a, uh, you know, teaching by teaching basis, <laughs> so that I, I thought that that was really good. Now, I'm going to go ahead and end part one here, and we're going to get into a lot of the coming potential pandemic plague alerts uh, I've received in the next, mm, I don't know if I'll be able to get through it in one more study or two, but I'm going to, I'm going to delineate the two End part one here, go to part two and we'll give you some information in that regard. So God bless you and we'll see you in part two.